James Hahn II. And I'm Mark LaCour. And you're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast, brought to you by Bulwark. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Episode number 85. Welcome in, Mark LaCour. How you been this week? We, We don't really talk very much these days. You and I are both so busy. It's a, people probably think that we're buddy, buddy, which we are, but we've both been so busy. I haven't seen you in what, two, three weeks. It's been a while. It's been, yeah. I think it's been, a, been at least three weeks. And speaking of seeing people, um, I've never seen a picture of your brother until now. So what's going on? We'll get this in the show notes. Yeah. So this is cool. So my brother's at a bar and the bartender notices his last name and she goes, Oh, um, I listen to this podcast and a guy's on his name is Mark LaCour. He has the same last name. My brother goes, that's my brother. <laughs> and so <laughs> huge, huge shout out to Michelle Archer. She's a senior at LSU major in petroleum engineer. Uh, James, she's in the top 10% of the class and we know why. Wow. Wow. Yeah, Cause she listens to the podcast. Wow. Right? That's incredible. So, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, congratulations, Michelle. Um, you got a big, huge, wonderful career ahead of you. We, we really appreciate you being a listener. And James, if you look at the picture, I just noticed this. It's laminated. Yeah, she so, took that. I, I saw that right away. So Michelle goes and takes the time to put together this sign and laminates it to take a picture. Yeah. yeah. And so she's holding up a sign saying, I love oil and gas this week. And Michelle, we love you for being a listener. And we love all our listeners. But big shout out there for recognizing my uh, brother's last name. Um, you know, buy him an extra drink on me. That's amazing. I need I need a bartender to recognize me. Maybe I need to go hel- hang out at LSU. I, I feel like we have some fans over there. We actually have a lot of fans in a lot of schools. LSU is a big one. Um, we have a, a bunch of fans at, at AMM. Um, you know, um, who, in Florida, we have a bunch of flan, fans out there. So, um, and in Lafayette. So, um, yeah, we got a lot of collegiate fans. We, we may have to do a college show of some sort um, somewhere. Let's put that put that in our thinking box. I'm saying we need to do the college game day. We need to do the traveling game day. I've been talking about this since what NAEP 14, 15? Oh, it's been a while. Yeah. College yeah, game day. That you, might be a good might be a good idea too. You mentioned uh, our friends in Florida. Hopefully, everyone over there is staying safe because uh, Matthew looks like no joke. So, no. If, if you're listening to this, and if you're on the east coast of Florida, get the heck out of there. This you don't want to play with that. Yeah, get out, get out, stay safe out there, people. All right, let's get into these this week's questions because uh, we both have hard stops and all that fun stuff. You got one. We might as well kick it off because it's the question that everybody wants to ask Mark LaCour right now. So this is from Wilmer Jesus from Echo Petrol, and he says, looks like we have hit the bottom and that crude prices are starting to recover. What do you think the recovery will look like? Love the show, by the way. You and James, please keep it up. We will keep it up, Wilmer. <laughs> and thanks for reaching out. And Echo Patrol's in Columbia, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, we, we have some listeners all over the world. Um, so the recovery is not going to come back with a bang. It's going to be slow and it's going to be gradual. This recovery is going to be different. This industry is fundamentally changing um, right under our feet. So when it comes back, the new norms could be the $50 to $60 a barrel. Um, you're going to see a lot of expensive oil disappear. So uh, oil sands, uh, North Sea, deep water, ultra deep water, a lot of the R&D money that was going to uh, HPHT, uh, high pressure, high temperature for offshore, that's going to disappear. Um, you're going to see um, other countries tap into the unconventional revolution because the knowledge is starting to creep out there. You're going to see technology as a whole invade this industry. We're, we're seeing it happen right now faster than it ever has before. And all that stuff is good. It's good for the industry. So... Um, you know, especially here in the U.S., uh, exports will become big. 
um, both petrochemicals, plastics, and eventually LNG. Um, so it's this intimate, this industry is fundamentally changing, but it's all changing for the good. But the recovery is just is gonna creep back. It's not gonna come back with a bang. I want to hear more about high pressure, high temperature, because you allude to it every now and again, and we've talked about it offline, but tell us more about it online. So the subsea guys were are pushing the limits of um, science manufacturing technology. I mean, they're almost like wizards. And they were looking at doing, um, being able to go into production at 10,000 feet of water, right? And at temperatures up to 350 or 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Can you imagine what you have to build, what that tree has to be able to do to be able to stand that type of pressure and that type of temperature 24 seven for seven to five to seven years before you retrofit it? Crazy. So um, new materials, new technology, new engineering. Um, unfortunately, a lot of that's going to disappear because that's extremely expensive. And we're in a long-term hydrocarbon abundant world. So we're in a, we'll be in a low crude price environment for an extremely long time. That's interesting because I recently watched a documentary about James Cameron and his trips down to the deepest parts of the sea and knowing exactly how perfect the technology had to be on his submersible subsea vehicle just to go down and up. Right. Much it, less produce oil safely. Yeah, right. Just to um, go down even a thousand feet, two thousand, you know. Yeah. yeah. Now, eventually this deep, this expensive oil, the, the deep water oil, especially, eventually it will come back. Um, it will come back because of technology. Technology will drive the prices down, but it's not going to happen in the next you know, five years. It's going to be a little, much longer than that before, before we get there. And this is a good time to put in a little teaser for your 2016, rec, uh, uh, not recommendations, <laughs> uh, predictions. Yeah, so uh, November of this year, the 2017 um, oil and gas business drivers will come out. We did pretty good last year and pretty good the year before. Uh, we'll see what we come up with this year. Yeah, so that's only a month away. Yeah. A month away, a month until November. Yeah, I saw a meme. 10 days, only 10 Mondays left until Christmas. Wow. Yep. Yeah, I can't wait for 2016. Get out of here, people. <laughs> Get out of here with your 2016. All right, let's go over to my man, Shara Subari. He is from Note Trade USA. He's an investor. Um, I've had quite a few conversations with him at this point. And here's his question. Hi, guys. I already spoke to James a couple of times over the phone, and I told him many times how much I appreciate this podcast. I wanted to get Mark's perspective on what I can do to improve my business. I'm looking to buy working interest in oil leases ranging from between 100000 to $4 million. I use some of my own funds and also partner up with investor friends on some of the, these deals. The ideal project will have cash flow, uh, cash flowing wells with some shut-in wells that I can get turned back and with the option to drill. I also need reliable operators to manage these leases. How would you find good sources to deals and reliable operators to manage them? Is this a question you would rather answer privately? I understand. Thanks ahead, uh, thanks ahead of time. Yeah, no, we're not going to answer it privately. We're going to answer it publicly because it's a great question. So there's there's a ton here in, in the U.S. There's a ton of opportunity for exactly um, what Shara is looking for. Um, smaller deals, wells that are producing, making money with the ability to drill new. Um, and But you hit the nail on the head. You have to have the right operators. And unfortunately, there's no website that you can go to and look for all this stuff. This is where you have to pound the payment, unfortunately. You have to get out there. You have to get out in these fields. You have to talk to people. Um, um, you know, one of the people I would recommend you reach out to is John Trueblood, Trueblood Resources. He, him and his family have done this for a long, long time. 
and they know the ins and outs of this. Um, he may not necessarily be your guy, but he can recommend the people that would be your guy, both on the operator side and, and on the investor side. Um, but there is there is no easy way to do this. You know, whatever part of the country you're looking at, you're going to need to go out there, meet the people, ask questions, interview people, and and people will tell you who the good operators are. Um, and they'll also tell you who the bad operators are. And the the secret to doing this right literally is all in the operator. If you get a, you know, a great property and you have a bad operator, you're going to be upside down. Whereas a really good operator can take a marginal property and make you some money. That's a really good point. Um, another thing to note, we're going to talk about NAPE coming up. <clears throat> Mark says this all the time, but it, it can't be said enough that we do a lot. I do especially a lot online, but this is still fundamentally a business of people. Getting out and talking to people, you can go to NAPE. Denver is you know one of the smaller shows, but when you don't have experience in this industry, and for the background, everybody, Shara is in actually a real estate investor. And I, speaking of Florida, I just talked to another real estate investor who's getting into oil. So I don't know if this is a trend right now, but there's there's definitely plenty of people coming in looking for these smaller wells. Um, for you, Shara, and anybody else, you have helped me stumble backwards actually into the deal-making game. So continue to reach out to me because I now have someone to vet the deals. and. And he's an awesome person that I've known for quite a while. And I'm also reaching out to several small independent operators. So helping to put these deals together and hopefully get you a good one here soon. And if anybody else is is listening who is an investor at that 100000 to $4 million range, feel free to reach out to me and I'll make connections for you. And if you're an operator, please reach out as well. But um but yeah, you can't say it enough, Mark. You got to go and talk to people and get to know them in person. And then also maybe a word of caution for newer investors in oil and gas in terms of 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 the way some guys can come at you and promise the world when it 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 can seem like too good. Of, what is it? If it seems like it too good, then it probably is, right? Can you right. talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So just like any other business where there's money, you have people that want to make money without doing the right stuff, right? They basically want to rip people off. And it's it's in, in our industry as well. Now, unfortunately for them in our industry, once you get a bad name, you're done. <laughs> That's it. Um, but you just got to be careful. So you always have to do your due diligence no matter what. And that applies to, to everything that you would invest money in, not just in oil and gas. But you brought up a good point. So for anybody that's interested in this world, wants to learn more, NAPE is probably the one uh, show that you should have on your must-attend list because you can learn it from the property side, you can learn it from the investor side, and you can learn it from the operator side because they're all there at the same time. And, and they, they'll be happy to share stuff with you. They're, they're very happy to share. And then also, not only people that, um, that want to put one over, because I think that's a fractional percentage, there's a lot of guys, whether they're they're good or bad or past their prime or whatever, they get a hold of some acreage and they're they're dead set that there's a hundred million recoverable in there, and and they'll 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 really believe it. And if you're new to the industry, you won't you won't be able to say, yeah, this guy doesn't really know what he's talking about, right? Yeah, that's that's once again doing your due diligence, right? You know, look at your geology. Um, if you're not an expert at that, and I'm by no means an expert, go find you an expert at that. Those those geophysicists and those geologists can tell you with a reasonable degree of certainty what's there and what's recoverable. And shout out as well to Lindsay Ballard. I'll put her her stuff in the show notes, her contact information in the show notes, and Melinda Faust um, from Lantana. She, or I don't know if she's still with Lantana. Either way, she used to be with Drilling Info. That's why I know her. But so she hooked me up with Lindsay Ballard over at EnergyNet in terms of of 
helping to find these sub $5 million deals. And that's, that's another resource for people to be able to go in there, sign up and, and start getting deals sent, sent straight to you. So um, Lindsay Ballard covers the Permian. So anything else to say on that one, Mark? No, good question. Good question. All right. Eric Marshall, Spire Oil and Gas, VP of Completions and Operations. I've noticed since 2013 that the natural gas storage trend has started to level off, if not turned down a little, while monthly production is continuing its increased trend started back in uh, 2007. I'm looking at a three-year moving average. Are we finally about to see a change in the natural gas market, or is this just a sign of things starting to stabilize a bit? I'm happy to email you the chart I'm looking at if it helps. Yeah, no, I we don't need the chart. I know exactly what you're talking about. We pay attention to this as well. Um, so if you're asking if prices are going to go back to 8 or 9 or $10 per billion cubic foot, no, sorry. We, like I said, we're, we're in a hydrocarbon abundant world, and especially natural gas, especially in North America. But you're seeing the prices creep back up. And and so um, it's it's simple supply and demand. It's um, the oversupply is gone. The demand's picking up. You know, here in the U.S., we're um, – producing electricity, more and more natural gas getting away from coal. And we have all these LNG plants that are being stood up. Now, the global market for LNG is is really kind of bad right now. It's at a low price, um, but it will come back. Um, and so companies um, will start exporting LNG. And as prices come back, they'll export more and more and more and more. But the other thing that's happening is not, don't just think of LNG, of natural gas as fuel. So 60% of the world is fed from fertilizer made from natural gas. Um, you're looking at natural gas being turned into plastics, right? We talk about ethylene crackers. So um, it, it will continue to be exported, although the export of product may not be a fuel product. It may be a Tupperware, you know, a basketball uh, fertilizer, right? So, um, but yeah, the, ga- the price of gas is starting to creep back up, which is a good thing for all of us. And I think that I've heard you say previously on the show that you think gas is going to be stronger toward the end of 17, maybe 18. Yeah, yeah, the very end of of 2017, very beginning of 2018, just right around there, the the prices will go up where it's a, where it's actually people can start making money again. I love how simply you look at it: supply and demand. Boom. There's more to it than that. I mean, I could I could spend hours telling you how we we do our predictions, which doesn't mean they're right. I mean, I missed it. I you know I thought we'd be back to fifty to sixty dollars a barrel by August, and we just now hit fifty. Um, this is um October. But um, th- that's the basics. Now, the hard part of using the basics is getting good data from the rest of the world. Um, we get great data from Europe. We get great data f- here from the U.S. But trying to get good data from China or um, the Middle East or Russia is, is, is hard. Um, but we have, we have a cheat, cheat workaround, cheating workaround. China. <laughs> China. I don't know if you saw Alec Baldwin on Saturday Night Live, but oh, my goodness. I'll throw that in the show notes as well. Uh, that was pretty funny. Um, yeah. SNL. Here we go. All right. Up next, Steve McKenzie. He is retired. And here is his question. First of all, great show, guys. I recently came across two articles on automation. What stood out were the following quotes. Quote, by 2020, an Intuit study estimates that more than 40% of of the American workforce or 60 million people will be independent workers, freelancers, contractors, and temporary employees. And also, former U.S. quote, Former U.S. Treasury Secretary Larry Summers says the unrelenting rise in the proportion of men without work since the 1970s will continue, and by 2050, he estimates that around one-third of all men in the United States will be without work, end quote. With the increasing automation throughout multiple industries, 
What can we do as professionals to prepare for this inevitable future from your perspective, especially where the oil and gas industry is concerned? In addition, what can we do as parents to prepare our kids for the future they will inherit? Is all doom and gloom or no? Thank you and look forward to your thoughts. And he threw the articles in here, which we'll have in the show notes from Medium as well as Business Insider. And oh my gosh, what a great question. Yeah, it really is a great question. So is it all doom and gloom? No, it's the opposite. It's it's butterflies and rainbows and unicorns. <laughs> it's, it's just we're, we're heading to, we're heading to just a wonderful time for the oil and gas industry and, and for the 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 U.S. and the world population as well. Now you brought up a couple concerns, and you're right in that the fact that technology is changing the workforce. You know, this is something I've been saying forever that um, you know the next twenty years, oil and gas industry is going to look like Silicon Valley. It's going to be fast. It's going to be sexy. It's going to be full of a very flexible workforce, a bunch of entrepreneurs and small companies doing really cool stuff. Uh, so, so that's all good, and that's that's the result of technology. Um, will we lose current jobs? Yes, but new ones will be created. A good example is what you're listening to right now. James and I make money on this podcast. Try that 10 years ago. <laughs> it, it would not have happened. Um, Try that five years ago. Five years ago, right? So here's a new job that has been created because of technology. And there's thousands and thousands and thousands of them. Um, a lot of them revolve around technology. But think about things like um, robotics, right? Robotics is getting ready to have a tremendous growth in the oil and gas industry. Same way with machine learning, internet of things, big data analytics. All that stuff is new. And all those jobs, like a data scientist, five years ago, there were no data scientists. Now the oil and gas industry can't hire enough of them. So the, the, the positions, the, the jobs out there are going to change because of technology, but it's not doom and gloom. Now I, I have, you know, Larry, you may, um, not Larry, I'm sorry, um, Steve, you know, Steve, you, you may or may not know this about me, but I, I am a bit of a statistical machine, right? Our, our core business is market research and it's all built about doing statistical analysis on data. And so I went and looked at your articles that you read. I went to the, the original article and I went to actual, um, the, the actual blog post, Larry Summers blog post. And there's, some, I, I can't find the raw data anywhere. And there's some, there's some stuff here that doesn't quite make sense to me. So if you look at that linear path and that growth that, where he's projecting out to 2051, um, where if you follow that linear path, it looks like about one third of all people, all men in the U.S. will be without work. What I can't correlate that to is right now in October 2016, our unemployment rate is 4.9%. Whereas if you look at the graph, it shows it at what looks like about 10%. I, 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 there, there's a discrepancy there. Without the raw data, I, 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 I can't really comment on this or figure out what's going on. The other thing I'm, I'm a little I'm aware of, I'm not going to say concerned, is they talk about men, not people. So if somebody out there can get me the raw data, um, from uh, Larry Summers, where he's uh, extrapolate this, then I could actually comment on this better. Do I realistically think by 2050, one third of all men in the U.S. would be without work? No, I just I can't see it working economically. That's that's 33 percent. The highest unemployment rate I know right now in the world, in the developed nations, is France, and I think they're about 11 percent, and that's horrible. I mean, it's destroying their economy. 33 percent would would just is, I don't think is is sustainable by, by in, in any means. So. Um, you know, good article, great, great, great questions. I just would like somebody to get me the source data for this so I could actually talk about it um, intelligently. But I want to speak to his concerns because I have a five-year-old son, and this is certainly something that I think about. And I have a, a lot of thoughts on this from the from the marketing side of things because there are some really extraordinary changes that are happening in the content world where bots are able to, robots, 
bots are able to produce content better than human beings. And it's only going to get better. And right now, it's it's especially around things like baseball statistics, right, for fantasy leagues. Anything that's really data-driven, being able to to produce really great content in that area. But I'll link to this in the show notes as well. It's the marketing companion, my good friend Mark Schaefer, and then his friend Tom Webster uh, from uh, Edison Research. And they're talking about an article from Buffer, the, the head of Buffer, where a company in Chicago said, we could take the data that you have from Buffer and produce 12 or 1500 pieces of content a month for $250. And so myself personally, being a content creator, I've always thought, okay, I'm in a good place because I'm putting out, you know, very specific thought leadership and, you know, I don't have to worry so much, but there are ways that even my position are, are starting to be replaced by robots and eventually it'll be able to be done better. And so let's, let's talk about that a little bit. So what about video? Yeah, video, video, audio, there's certain things, but let me just finish the point is to say that also shout out Brian Carter, another uh, really great social media marketer. I heard him say this last year on a podcast, which is that if you're worried about the future, what you have to focus on is making sure that your skill set cannot be replaced by a robot 20 years from now. And, you know, so if you're going into trucking or anything like that, I mean, we're going to have autonomous cars real soon, right? That's not, that's not science fiction. That's sort of reality. And so I tell Fulton all the time, you know, Hey, you're not going to have to drive when you grow up. <laughs> the cars are going to drive themselves. And I think you market Mark, you and I have talked about that offline with your son as well. So I think in terms of, of talking, speaking to youth and things like that is that it, it's really about having a very highly niched specific high quality value added sort of position that uh, you know that sort of abstractly puts things together in ways that 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 only humans can do yeah so i would think if you're talking about your children the biggest thing you can teach them is how to be problem solvers so we'll go back to your content yes bots can create content written content they can't create videos of people in it so you still could put content out there that's better than the bots. It's just going to have to change. Same way with the autonomous cars. No military is going to use autonomous drivers in tanks. No airlines could use autonomous drivers for fueling vehicles. It's just, there's certain, you're just going to have to change. If you're a commercial driver, you may have to learn different skill sets. There may not as be as big a need for you in off-the-road trucking, but there will be a need for you in other places. It's not, I think as long as you can solve problems, as long as you can think critically, you're always going to be able to find a place where they need human help. Yeah, that, and that's the shortest way of saying exactly what I just said. So it's a really yeah, great I mean, way of saying Somewhere it. in the past, somebody had this conversation about this darn, darn automobiles, right? You put all the horse people that took care of horses and shoot horses and the ferries put all them out of business. Well, it did. It probably did put a lot of them out of business. But overall, it was a better the technology is better for, for, for everybody. And so you just, you just have to be able to adopt and be able to change. Yeah. And I think when it comes down to it, it's just continual lifelong learning, whether that's, whether that's in a, in a classroom, if you're, if you're that kind of person, or if you're self-educated as I am, just keep learning. Yeah. And it's, it, I mean, if, if, you know, I'm 51 years old, if I look at what I was doing for living in my twenties, it's totally different what I was doing in my thirties and it's totally different what I'm doing now. So you're right. Continuous learning, being open to change, and then you'll be fine. 
Yeah. I mean, even the way you do your business from the time you met me today. Yeah. <laughs> right. Till now, it's just totally changed. Yeah. All right. Great question. Thank you for that, Steve. All right. Amir Ali, a business analyst. Great show and really enjoy the Q&As. Wish we could have more of these. We need more questions. We need more questions. <laughs> we need more questions before we could kick off more of these. So I know there's a handful of people asking for more. We need more questions. This time we had six or seven. And so uh, once we, we are over flooded with FFQA questions, then we might think about branching out. All right. As someone who enjoys all the financial innovations Wall Street has created for better or for worse, a thought came to my mind. When operators are looking to lock in rates with drilling contractors, is it possible to create an exchange or marketplace when in, with, with investment firms, operators, and speculators can buy and sell contracts for drilling rigs for each other? Take that one first. Yeah, so this is, a, this is a really, really great idea. I've, I've watched a lot of companies come into the oil and gas industry in, in the last, say, five or six years putting together different types of exchange, <clears throat> basically taking something that's being done on paper and in person and putting it on the internet so that multiple people from all around the world can participate in it, and it drives cost up, down. Um, this is a great idea. I don't know if anybody's doing this yet. What you're going to run into, though, is this industry's resistance to change. Uh, we've always negotiate with Transocean um, in person. We've always signed a paper contract. We've always done this type of day rate. Why would I want to do that online? Um, the good thing, um, Amir, is that this industry is fundamentally changing all of And I got to be careful because I'm starting to become the age of the old guys that I'm getting ready to talk about. But all the old guys in this industry are retiring and the new people are coming in will be very open to stuff like this. In fact, I would not be surprised if in the next five years, something like, exactly like this gets stood up and becomes very popular. Um, if, if Amir, if you have um, the inclination, you may want to look into standing this up. Um, somewhere in the future, this will happen. And you're going to see it happen not just for drilling rigs. You can see it happen with all of supply chain in this industry. It's um, Supply chain is a, is a thorn in everybody's side, in the upstream guy's side, in the pipeline guy's side, downstream, in the service companies. And so the sooner we can get that um, supply chain cleaned up, and this is one of the ways you'd get that cleaned up, it will drive costs down, which will then increase people's margins. And then just make it easier. Imagine how easy it would be if you're out in West Texas somewhere and you're punching holes in the ground and, and you need a, a mud pump, right? Imagine how easy it would be if you could just go online, have the mud pump ordered, and speaking of drones earlier, um, a drone comes and delivers it to your your site. Done, right? Your, your downtime is minimal. Um, so this is a great question. It's It will come. I haven't seen it hit here yet, but it, this makes just total financial sense. I can say that I know of a couple firms who, who for instance, Drilling Info has had, had a marketplace idea for a long time that is somewhere along these lines, not exactly as robust as what you're talking about. Also, some other companies that are looking at things like the old-fashioned directories. If you don't know, you, the listeners, don't know, a lot of people are shocked when they hear this, but in general, when you're out in the field and you need something, you open up the equivalent of a phone book, which is called the oil and gas directory. And there's thousands, it seems like thousands of them, you know, there's Eagleford and Permian and all these different directories. You open it, you find the person that has the service you're looking for, you call them. I've seen people sort of automating those sorts of things with apps and, and, and so forth. So I definitely think that things are headed in this direction. But like you said, Mark, I haven't seen one cohesive marketplace, especially around the more Wall Street side of things. So that's really inter interesting. All right. 
Other part of the question. Also, I came across this Bloomberg article about a former Shell lawyer who created a global LNG exchange, a digital platform that will allow LNG traders to buy, sell, spot cargoes via online auctions. Does this look like a viable platform? Can someone something similar be applied to other areas of oil and gas? Thanks and look forward to your responses. Well, I just mentioned another application when it comes to the directories. What else comes to mind for you, Mark? So it's interesting he's talking about this. So he's actually talking about a guy named Damian Criddle, who I actually know, who is was an attorney for Shell. And he got some investors to get together, and they're, and they're basically putting together a digital platform that will allow uh, LNG traders to buy and sell cargoes online. Um, this guy's sharp, and his investors are sharp. Do I think he's early to the game? Yes. Do I think he's going to pull it off? Yeah, I, I, I think they're going to actually well, pull it off. Well, he said, he's a, as soon as I hear Shell, former Shell lawyer, I'm, yeah, it's done, right? <laughs> the guy's got to be a genius. Yeah, and so, and I, I think he's timed it just right. He's the first to market, but he's going to time it uh, when prices start creeping back up. Um, so, and, but right now in this low crude prices, people can pay attention. I mean, low gas prices, uh, low, excuse me, I should just say low hydrocarbon prices. I'll be right every time. <laughs> low, low LNG prices. People are going to be looking at this because he's driving efficiencies with this. And, 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 um, and Amir, I think you're absolutely right. I think this platform, this, this concept, the way they're thinking about it will be applied to other parts of the industry. And we talked about that in the first part of your question about supply chain. I mean, you know, anything that's needed in this industry, I think eventually will be uh, bought and sold like this. You know, it's, um, I, I was fortunate enough to uh, be involved with a company that was trying to stand up basically Amazon for oil and gas. And, it, and unfortunately, it failed um, but because they were too early to the game. But it, it will happen. And, and like I said, this the um, uh, Damian Criddle's gig with the LNG, it's, it's going to go places. Yeah, I just found the Bloomberg article. For anybody that wants to read it, I'll put it in the show notes. LNG trading meets eBay as startup launches online auction. And I'll put that in the show notes. All right, rounding things out with our good friend Paige Wilson, Mr. Mark LaCour. Big shout out to Paige. Big shout out to Paige. Let's hear what she has to say. Might she be throwing us under the bus? Probably. <laughs> Hi, guys. I have a question. Obviously, you know my voice. So um, for all the listeners out there, not watchers, Mark, <laughs> uh, my name is Paige Wilson, and I am a volunteer project manager for the Oil and Gas Global Network. Um, but I am also the vice president of Wilson Risk Management. Uh, and my question is, have either of you seen Deepwater Horizon? And if you have not, why haven't you? No excuses on the time constrictions. You both are busy. I do know this. Um, and on, and for those that don't know, I call James by his last name because my husband's name is also James as well as my son. Um, I do owe you a movie ticket, bro. Um, but if you have seen it, what were your thoughts on it? And that's my question. All right. So yes, she did throw us under the bus because I have not seen Deepwater Horizon and I have not seen it because she was supposed to take me. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I've just been too busy. I, I've actually heard that it's pretty good, and I want to go see it. So maybe the solution is we go grab her little button. We all three go. Yeah, yeah. She just can't give us any spoiler alerts, although I guess we know how <laughs> it ends, unfortunately. But Yeah, but you know what's sad, James? What? 
Our own crew has to leave audio messages. Come on, people. Next time we have a first Friday Q&A, one of y'all leave us an audio message. It's, um, it's, it's, James loves these things, and it's actually it's kind of entertaining to actually be able to hear somebody's question instead of read it. Yeah, yeah. It saves me the, the, the hassle of having to trip over words and all that. So that's our answer page. Thanks for throwing us under the bus. Uh, if anybody out there has seen Deepwater Horizon and wants to give us a, some feedback, we'd love, love to hear from you. LinkedIn group email, wherever you want to hit us up. So those are our, all of our questions. Thank you to everyone who wrote in and uh, called in this week. We very much appreciate it. I uh, hope this was helpful. And we have the Weekly Onion, which is hilarious to me. This is from October 16th, 2008. Tony Womo out three <laughs> to four weeks with Woken Widow Fingy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, how about in Cowboys? And Mark, I know you're not really into football, but I'm always looking for an excuse to make fun of the Cowboys or the Michigan Wolverines. And unfortunately, my Spartans keep losing and the Wolverines keep winning. So I can at least uh, make fun of the the Cowboys Romo, except for the fact that his replacement keeps winning. So anyway, let's move on uh, because the only teams that I have to root for now are in Texas. It would be the Texans and the H-Town takeover. Um, that would be U of H. All right. Bulwark has a winner. Who is it, Mark? The winner is Tom Bierman, controller at Central Crude. Congratulations, Tom. You have won the Bulwark two-tone base layer, which has crossed the Atlantic and have made it to the runways of the Paris Fashion Week. <laughs> so, Tom, if you want to be known as the fashion guy at, at Central Crude, you're going to be known as the guy at Central Crude once you receive your Bulwark two-tone base layer. If you're a listener out there and your company needs FR clothing, that's flame-resistant clothing, for you and your guys, check out Bulwark. They've been doing this for a very long time. They're the largest supplier of FR clothing, oil and gas, and they really know what they're doing. Um, and great company, right? We have a great relationship with them. But uh, congratulations, Tom. Now, if you're listening and you also want to join Tom on the fashion runways in Paris with your own Bulwark two-tone base layer, it's very simple. Go to bulwark.com forward slash podcast. That's bulwark.com forward slash podcast, B-U-L-W-A-R-K. Enter your information and we draw one lucky winner a week. Congratulations, Tom. Shout out to Central Crude Inc. was founded in 1974. Over the years, became the largest South Louisiana-based crude oil purchaser. So right in your backyard there, Mark. Right in my old backyard. Right in your backyard. Yeah, your old backyard. And then if you want to win one of these Bulwark two-tone base layers, Go to bulwark.com forward slash podcast, B-U-L-W-A-R-K.com forward slash podcast. And thank you to everyone who is submitting there and supporting our sponsors. We cannot do this show without them. Events on deck. We have some events coming up. Uh, If you want to get the monthly uh, events newsletter from Mark, which is a great resource. It's where we get all the events for the show. Go to tribrocket.com forward slash events. What? 2000, the event, 2016 API golf tournament coming up on the 10th next week. Tell us about it, Mark. Yeah, it's, um, this is a tradition in the oil and gas industry, and this is one of the top uh, golf tournaments in, in Houston. So if, if you want to rub elbows with some very senior people in oil and gas and have some good food and a good time and play a couple rounds, check it out. Uh, it's, um, it's in spring Texas this year and James will have a link up, um, put a link in the show notes. Um, you know, I'm unfortunately not going to make it there, even though I'm on the board, so I'm supposed to be there, but I'm, I have client stuff going on. But it's always a great time. Always, always. Yeah, I haven't hit the links in quite a while. You don't golf, though, do you? Mark? I don't play. I just go around. I drive golf course around the course and just talk to people. 
And drink. Come on. And drink. Let's yeah. be honest. And drink. And we've mentioned it before, but Nape Denver coming up October 12th through the 13th. If you're in Denver, Colorado, go to go to Nape. Um, a lot of the older guys that have been around we say, well, these are smaller shows and so forth. But if you're a guy like Shara and you or just anybody trying to learn about oil and gas, I've learned so much over the years going to every single NAPE. So get there. It's at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver, Colorado. Anything on that, Mark? Yeah, if if you want to understand what goes on out in the field and upstream in in North America, you need to check out the NAPE shows. They're actually, James and I, it's one of our favorite shows It's um, because you get, the, the mood is different. Everybody that goes there is either going there to sell something or to buy something. So it's like a very high energy, fun just a great crowd. And, and like I said, people in this industry love to talk and love to share their experiences. So if you're in a, if you need a mood to learn, go check out Nape. And we have, we have one, the winter Nape coming up. I can't remember when, but pretty soon here in Houston as well. Yeah. That's going to be, it's the first, always the first or second week in February. So yeah, gosh, I can't believe. All right. First Friday Q and a, if you didn't get your question in this week, as a, uh, this month, as I said, we do these every first Friday and we need more questions. So tribrocket.com forward slash QA will take you to submit your questions. And like Mark keeps saying, you can ask about oil and gas, ask about marketing, all these different things. Let's move on to reviews. Tribrocket.com forward slash TW reviews take you straight into the iTunes store to leave a review. We got two this week. Mark, you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, Oh, goodness. I can't even try to. It's G-B-W-O-H-A-H-Y-O. However you pronounce that, I apologize. Yeah, I'm not going to even try. Okay. (laughs) Thanks. All right. Great podcast. Keep uh, keep up to date and learn more about oil and gas five stars. Just started listening to this podcast or hearing Mark speak at a recent IOT in oil and gas conference. Look at that, Mark. You picked up a listener. Cool. Nice. Went back and listened to the last 10 episodes and find them all to be interesting and informative. Mark and James do a great job of covering a broad range of current events in oil and gas and explaining them at level at a level you can understand, even if you are not an expert at, uh, in, in that aspect of the industry. Thanks for all the work you guys put into this. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you very much. And for the review. And for the review and binging. Binging. And, yeah. <laughs> and binging. Oh, man, I can't remember uh, his name. I want to give him a shout out. Uh, oh, yeah, it's Tony Comer, which is hilarious because my best friend since I was five, uh, in fifth grade, 10 years old, is Mike Comer. I've never met another Comer outside of his family, C-O-M-E-R. Tony Comer at US, uh, was it USBS? Or, yeah, The Investment. He binged on 20 episodes this week. Yeah, just... <laughs> A quick disclaimer here, uh, binging on the oil and gas this week podcast may lead to uh, delusions of grandeur. <laughs> or doing it. <laughs> All right. Uh, informative without getting technical. Four stars by non-technical industry newbie. That sounds like me. All right. Disclaimer. This is written from the perspective of non-technical role within the industry. James and Mark have a great chemistry between James's ability to highlight relevant news and Mark's expert analysis on the implications. If you're looking for a quick way to stay abreast of the stories that are going on to be discussed in the office, look no further. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, non-technical industry newbie. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. How about that? Yeah, so so leave us some reviews. We can't we can't get enough reviews. Thank you. Helps with the SEO. Thanks. Helps with uh, with people knowing it's a good show, all that stuff. How about the LinkedIn group, Mark? Yeah, so if you listen to this show and you want to learn more and you want to learn about the new stuff we have coming out, go join LinkedIn group. It's um, it's it's the family of of all of our shows, and it's not called Oil and Gas this week. It's called Oil and Gas Global Network. 
From what I understand, you could just type in OG into LinkedIn. The group pops up almost immediately. So take the couple minutes to sign up. You'll be glad you did. Yeah, OG. Uh, I haven't seen that, but OGGN take you straight there as well. TribeRocket.com forward slash LinkedIn will take you straight to the group as well. We have the show notes put together for you. We keep mentioning it throughout the show. You can get all the links at TribeRocket.com forward slash TW85. And um, I think that's pretty much that, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if you want to have a quick, easy, clickable way of everything we talk about, just go to the show notes. It, James does the work, so you don't have to. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then um, if you want to share the show, which we strongly encourage, TribeRocket.com forward slash ShareLI, share shares that on LinkedIn, forward slash ShareTW, shares that on Twitter, and forward slash ShareFB, shares it on Facebook. I think we got through this one, Mark. Yeah, it's um, one more thing before we go. If uh, you're an organization out there, if you're a tech group or industry group, if you're a school or association, trade association, whatever, and you'd like James and I to come uh, speak to your group, let us know. Reach out to us. We actually are headed to uh, Calgary next yeah, year. Yeah, shout right, out as well. I, we forgot to do the shout out. So shout out to the yeah. guys at the Geo Convention up there bringing us up in May 17. And if you're in Calgary, we hope we better see you there. Yeah. And we're going to have some uh, announcements and some kind of cool giveaways around that show coming out in the future episodes. But, you know, if you want us to come speak to your group, reach out to us. We'd love to share the details with you. Yep. And all the contact information is in the show notes. You ready to go, Mark? Yeah. So folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. Go find some grease, guys.